It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. It's really good to have discussion of why is it scary in the first place and so much of like the great horror films recently have been ways for us to talk about racism and systemic problems so yeah there's a reason to why we're afraid and i think that's the theme of 2020 like there's this joke running around about how um, the horror film of the year is the entire year so i mean something like that right just comes to show how real our fears are and that's something we should be talking about From Quezon City, I'm Christine Chung. This is Take a Break. Sit back and wind down while we serve you stories on art, music, culture, film, and podcasts. Nagiging common jokes sa social media that 2020 is top horror film of the year, or even the sixth season of Netflix show Black Mirror. But what makes a good horror film? We asked film producer Micah Tadena. Micah is the producer of the film Eerie, starring Bea Alonso and Charo Santos Concho. Eerie premiered at the Singapore International Film Festival in 2018. Its plot revolves around a guidance counselor who tries to solve the mysterious death of a student at a Catholic all-girls school. I think horror, along with action, are some of the most technical genres to execute it's not like a drama film or a romance film where you can deliver the story through dialogue there's a joke in filmmaking that if you want to do it the lazy way you can just explain whatever is happening through voiceover i don't think anyone has ever seen a scare with voiceover for our film we had to storyboard every single frame in the film and i think That's a big reason to why the scares are effective. And we also had to test it a lot with the audience. But Micah says it's not always the elaborate effects and the suspenseful music that gives a good scare. Because oftentimes, the scariest scenes are those that the audience can imagine happening in real life. One of the questions that I always hear during development for a horror is they would ask, what are we talking about? Right. So it, again, it goes back to horror being a reflection of social horrors, personal horrors. In the development stage, while we're writing the script, we also have to ask ourselves, like, what kind of horror are we establishing here? What are we trying to show? Like, what are people going to be afraid of? So as much as possible, you know that 
you want to give the audience like a fun time in the cinema, make them feel like they're riding a roller coaster and give them a fake sense of danger. But the only way that you keep the lights on when they're at home is if you are sure that you've imparted a horror that's real and that's something that's really visceral for them. Pero minsan, sa kakagawa ng horror film, nakakatotoo rin. Ito ang kwento ni Micah of something strange that happened as they were filming Eerie. We shot the film in a seminary because it really looks like a campus, like you have a quadrangle with a lawn in the middle. So they usually use it for retreats. And when you have a set like that, people are always trying to scare each other and say that people saw a ghost here and there. One of the stories that we have was we were trying to execute this shot, which was like a swish pan. So the camera moves very quickly from right to left following the motion of the actor. And it was really difficult to coordinate. So one of the things that Mick did to get the timing right was he would clap on cue. And we did it a couple of times. And finally, like, we got the shot right. And everyone looked like at Mick and was like, hey, like, good job. You finally got the shot. And then he's there with his hands apart. And he's like, I didn't clap, but good thing we got the shot. Micah has been a fan, and so we asked her what she looks for in horror films. I really like horror films made by comedians. I think one, two of the best horror films in the recent years is anything created by Jordan Peele and John Krasinski. And at the same time, one of my favorite producers is Jason Blum. So anything that he creates, I will eat up. A lot of people think that it's really just because comedy and horror share the same patterns, which is that when you tell a joke, you have to make a setup and then you have to make a payoff with a punchline. And if you do the setup properly, then you get a laugh in the end. And horror is constructed in the same way where you have a setup for a scare. And if you're able to execute your final shot right, then you would either have people screaming in the cinema or them being really afraid for what's about to happen next. But more than the adrenaline rush from a good scare, horror films mirror the fears of society. It's also because it's reflective of something that's really important. So all the successful horror films in every single time period talk about something that people are genuinely afraid of and that often points back to realities that are outside the movie. And in the same way that these comedians are so good at doing that, let's say on SNL, like with John Krasinski, right? He's also able to portray that very well in a horror film. It's the same fear of not being heard, fear of uh, losing your family. And he's, yeah, so I think that's why the comedians are so good at it. And then, of course, films by James Wan are really amazing. I don't think anyone can contest that what he did with the Conjuring series was really a game changer for horror. And it really brought horror up to the level that kind of like what Marvel achieved by creating its own cinematic universe and really building, which I don't think horror has done very well in the past. I mean, I guess you could say that he did, he did it the same thing with Saw. So he's always just been good at creating those kinds of franchises. It's time for weekly highlights. Besides watching Eerie on Netflix, 
You can also watch a set of classic films made available under the Vimeo account of Master Director Mike DeLeon under account name Citizen Jake. Kailan pa naman dating ang doktor na yan? Kuhulin ang lahat? Ang doktor ay nandun na sa kwarto ng mahal na hatit. Kausap ang mahal na Raina. Get a chance to see what the Philippines was like from the 40s to the 90s while it's still available for streaming. Watch notable films by Philippine cinema's greats Susana C. de Guzman, Manuel Conde, Manuel Silos, and national artist for theater and film Lamberto V. Avellana. Are you still with me? We just dropped our first episode of Dream Bayan, a podcast that reimagines the Philippines as a better Philippines. Our battle cry when we responded to this as a regional hospital is target zero, which means that we will have no casualties among healthcare workers. We will do everything that we can to protect our healthcare workers because we know how precious they are. Listen to the rest on Dream Bayan, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Anchor. Para sa mga pop culture fans, you don't want to miss the latest episode of Super Random. Gusto nyo bang malaman kung paano dumating ang mga bozenyan dito sa mundo? Pues, makinig kayo sa podcast na ito. Dahil ako, si Prince Charles, at ito na ang katapusan ng mundo! <laughs> Fanboy Supreme, Ruel S. De Vera, talks about Voltus V, the robot TV show that was a defining moment for the kids of the 70s, and why it gained so much popularity then. In 1979, then-President Ferdinand Marcos banned all super robot shows. Voltus V was not the only one because of the excessive violence shown in them. But Voltus V was the most popular, and it was almost finished having aired 35 episodes with only a few left to go. An entire generation of Filipino children had a cultural void, left by the lack of closure due to the abrupt banning of Voltus V. Get the full episode of Super Random on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Anchor. Our last drop for the week is Super Evil the Philippines' first serialized true crime podcast. Third episode of Hatched in Hell brings to life the most important court documents of People versus Sanchez. A young lawyer, Nolasco, takes on the role of prosecutor against an army of the highest-paid lawyers defending the notorious former Kalawan mayor, Antonio Sanchez. Here's a preview. As a UPLB student during martial law, Nolasco was an activist. Attempts of arrest didn't faze him. He isn't easily terrorized. But during the trial, Sanchez, the supposedly pious and religious mayor, tried to intimidate him. Sa courtroom, binubulungan ako ni Sanchez kung ano lang gusto kong kabao. Anong kulay daw ng kabao gusto ko? Galing sa kampangis. Listen to the rest of the episode of Super Evil, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Anchor. You can also check out the Super Evil website for the episode notes, visuals, and more.
that's it for our weekly highlights. I leave you with one unsolicited reminder to take it easy muna. See you next week!